Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. Big show for you today once again. It's going to be a huge week of Champions League football. The second legs of the Champions League quarterfinals. Milan leading Napoli 1-0 from the first leg at San Siro. We've got the second leg in Naples on Tuesday. Inter leading Benfica 2-0 from Lisbon in their first leg match. They're playing the return at San Siro on Wednesday. We've also got the Europa League second leg quarterfinals with Juventus leading Sporting Lisbon 1-0 with uh, Roma trying to overturn a 1-0 deficit in Rome to Feyenoord and then we've got the Conference League quarter-final second leg between Fiorentina and Lech Poznan and Fiorentina already virtually in the semi-finals after winning 4-1 so we're going to be previewing all of those games. Um, We're also going to be of course reviewing all of the Serie A midweek action. Um, Most of the big teams, nearly all of the big teams slipping up. Uh, Napoli, uh, Milan, Inter losing, and Juventus losing as well, and the Rome team's taking advantage of that. So we're going to be uh, analysing and breaking down everything that happened there. We're also going to have Badger and Prem Face of the Week. It is a very, very competitive week for Prem Face of the Week, uh, as it usually is. But today today in particular, we've got quite a few whoppers. So lots to look forward to. Let's get into it. Right, we'll start off with the, the weekend Serie A action, and we'll start with the leaders, Napoli, who um, failed to win again. They lost, of course, to to Milan last midweek, 1-0 in the first leg of that Champions League quarterfinal. Uh, and they they rested quite a few players for this game against Verona. Um, they drew 0-0. Um, it wasn't a particularly great performance from Napoli once again. Their form has really dropped. But, Nima, there was one huge, huge positive ahead of that that second leg against Milan, and that is Victor Ossiman is back. He was on the bench. He came on for the final 18, 20 minutes, and he immediately made a difference, smashed the ball against the crossbar um, to show what he can offer in that second leg against Milan. Well, without a doubt. I mean, we saw there were, you know, I don't want to draw too much from those 18 minutes, but of course, you know, you're going to look at him. And, and when he, you know, whenever he plays, he's going to draw eyes to himself. There were a lot of questions about what physical you know, how is he, the physical shape he's in after this injury? And, well, he looked pretty good to me. Um, I wonder if he's got how many minutes he's got in his body mm. um, going into that Milan game. But for sure, he's he's this is, this is the cutting edge that Napoli lack when he's not there. Um, the bite in their bark, uh, so to, to, to match their bark, because they can retain possession until the cows come home and they can hurt teams and they can press high up the pitch and so on and so forth. But Ossiman gives them that kind of cutting edge up front, the killer instinct in the box, even though he does miss quite a bit of chances and he still can improve his his efficiency. But he wreaks havoc uh, in, in, in opposition defences, not just because of the finishing, but also because of his link-up game, his aerial presence, um, you know, and, and his movement. Uh, he never stops moving and he always makes intelligent runs and he always is, is a passing option for the midfield or the wingers or the wing or the fullbacks. So there's no doubt that this guy is going to be decisive uh, one way or the other for, for, for Napoli when he plays. And, and you saw there was a complete different feel and vibe about Napoli against Verona. Now, I don't think the result against Verona really matters as much because, well, They've already won the league. Everybody knows that it. it's just a matter of time. 
Um, but I think going into the Milan game, it was important for, for Napoli to kind of get some sort of a moral boost from Ossiman. And of course, which we're going to talk about the, you know, Aurelio De Laurentiis taking, you know, that photo and peace treaty that they, that he has with the Napoli Ultras. Um, so th- this is exactly what Napoli needed after a bit of a, bit of an unnecessary shit show, to be honest, um, that they kind of can, you know, did to themselves. I mean, obviously not Ossiman's, Ossiman's injury, but yeah, that's where I am overall with this game. Yeah, uh, there wasn't much to talk about the game itself. Virtually no chances created at all. The, I think the only really big chance was, well, the Ossiman hit the crossbar, but that was him. That was a piece of brilliance from him more than anything. And then Ngong missed a one-on-one right at the end of the game. For, for Verona, where he could have he could have stole all three points, but not really much to talk about from the game. Uh, Napoli rested pretty much everyone that will play on on Wednesday. I think Di Lorenzo, um, maybe uh, Lozano, and and he's Jesus, but he was there, you know, to gain minutes. Uh, pretty much everyone else was rested. Um, uh, I think that uh, there's two there's two points I want to make from this from a Napoli point of view. First of all, there's no doubt that Napoli have, I don't want to say lost form, but they've definitely, this isn't the same Napoli that we saw at the start of the season. Uh, They've got one win in their last four games, two of those were defeats. They failed to score in three of those matches. Uh, Even in their last eight, even if you take it back to their last eight games, they've they've lost three, drawn one. So half of those games they haven't won. Um, Scoreless for for successive games for the first time this season. Um, So, you know, it's... it's, um, you know, Napoli have have lost lost uh, they've lost form. They have lost form at the kind of the wrong time of the season in terms of the Champions League. Um, so that's number one. Number two, and I wanted to ask you about this, Nima, is is um, Raspadori because he played. I know he's still not fully match match uh, in you know match shape since his injury. So maybe it's a little bit unfair to ask this question now. But looking at it over the course of the season. Is Raspadori going to make it as a Napoli player, or is it a case? Think, is it just to just to continue that question, or is it a case of we know now that he's not going to make it as a centre forward in a three? That's the thing. I don't think he's going to make it as a centre forward because I don't think he is a centre forward. I think if you look at what, how he played in uh, for Sassuolo, uh, he's he's a wide player in a four two three one or a four three three, playing off of a central big number nine or or a focal point in number nine. In, at Sassuolo, it was Scamacca. Here, it's Ossiman. I think I I don't think he's a centre forward. If he's going to play as a centre forward, he needs to play. Uh, in in a, in a in a front two, um, mm. and I think we have to remember also that Raspadori is this is his first season. It's a, he's still a pretty young. He's not you know I'm not saying he's a teenager, but he's not also he's not exactly you know 30 either. This is his first big club move. I'm willing to and and at a club that is winning the Serie A, going to win the Serie A. They're in the latter stages of the Champions League. They're fighting for trophies. That's a huge step, and I think there's always going to be a, a little bit of a time to adapt to that. Um, for him, so I I think this year is a little bit kind of because he's done well in the learn. Champions League. He was like he scored yeah. a lot of goals in the group stages. The Champions League he scored four yeah. four goals in the group yeah. stages, which is you know yeah. one of the best. It's and, very good, fantastic. But you look at his Serie A numbers this season: one goal in Serie A all season. And yes, okay, he's had some spells injured, um, but you know that is very very disappointing, especially when you consider he's playing for Napoli, who create 
so much, dominate so much, and, and we've seen what they've done this season. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. It's, I mean, he's done well for Italy as well, generally. He's done pretty yeah. well for Italy. But yeah, I do think that as a central man in that in that front three. No, um, no. Yeah, I, I, I think no. we've almost got the question answered for us there. That it's not doesn't no, look like it's no, no, working. He's not. He's not a number nine in a in a, in a sole number nine in a four three three or a four two three one. He's not. He's not that guy. But if you you need to play, you need someone to play off of, whether it's wide and and mm. or, or or and that but that raises questions about his future at Napoli, really, doesn't it? Because I mean, if he's not going to be the number nine, that means he's not going to be the successor to 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 Ossiman if Ossiman leaves, and then you know. So his other option in a four-three-three, I don't think he's going to play as a right wing guard. I'm not sure I've seen him play on the right, and I'm not sure that he would be really suited there on the right of a three. It'd be the left of a three. But there's Claret Scalia there, and Claret Scalia is not going to be sold this summer because Osiman, no. if Osiman's sold, they're not going to sell both of them, and it'll be Osiman will be the first to go. Well, if Kim Min Jae leaves as well, given the the clause, I doubt they sell two. I think yeah, if they sell but, I mean they're Kim not going to sell Jay. both forwards. I think that's pretty obvious. No. They're not going to sell both forwards. Mm-hmm. So if Oss- I mean, you know, I think Claret Scalia will be the second one to go after Osiman. Osiman will go first, whether it's this summer or next, and then Claret. So that raises questions over Raspadori's future. I mean, can he afford to stay as a as another backup? For another season behind Kavada. And, you know, how much is Kavada going to be rested? He's going to play pretty much, he's going to be their main man next season. So if Osman leaves. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we did see them play a kind of a false nine. I mean, they could do something like that. Yeah. Like Sari did, of course, when, when Higuain left. Mm. That's or go to a 4 2 3 1, in which case he could play, I guess, as, a, as an attacking midfield centre. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. There, are, there are other options. But, yeah, I think that definitely did raise some question marks and and the other thing and this is what I really wanted to talk to you about because he is Swedish and I remember you talking about him a few months ago uh, is Isaac Yen the centre-back for Verona because I was really really impressed by him in this game I thought he was magnificent Uh, I went and checked his numbers as well after the game and he made four tackles seven clearances one block one interception Uh, he won all five of his duels I thought he was like so dominant Um, I thought he was absolutely brilliant Um, so yeah, what do you think about the future of this guy? Is I mean, to me, he looks he looks a player. This guy. Well, he does, and of course, now uh, Torino have snapped him up. If I'm not mistaken, I mean, it's not official, I think, but they've got some sort of a deal with with uh, Hellas in place, and and uh, you know, it, it's impressive given how Torino are good at snapping up talents and developing them. And if Ivan Juric stays for another season, you know, massive massive development for him. I thought he was very good as well, but I think he's been all outstanding all season, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he's gone from the Swedish league to the Serie A, this you know, and, and done so without hit the ground running is so incredibly impressive. Um, no, it's I'm, I'm really really impressed by him. Yeah, I, I, I find him. He's, he's a very commanding, imposing centre back. Yeah. That yeah, you, he makes his presence felt. And I yeah, I, I was really impressed. Really, really impressed by him. And um, just quickly, before we move on to Milan, so did you see that um, there's been this officially this truce, <laughs> this mm. this uh, ceasefire, or or who knows <laughs> between Aurelio De Laurentiis? The most Italian thing. This entire scandal is the most Italian scandal of all time, or Italian problem. Only this this can only happen mm. in Italy. I think. Well, Aurelio Lorenzo, De Laurentiis did a tweet before the Napoli game, uh, a photo of him with all the the, the Napoli. Uh, th- um, ultras, sorry, and <laughs> no, you, said you, you were right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so there was kind of like Dilaretus in the middle, and then he, he accompanied that with a with a message, kind of um, 
you know, basically saying that, you know, we're all together, every, we're all together, all united, um, you know, Napoli to win. Uh, basically saying that, you know, they've sorted out all the problems and, and everything. Um, but the, the funny thing is, like, De Laurentiis had this kind of, like, it almost looked like... like Blink twice if you need help, Aurelio. Yeah, like, he was like, <laughs> you know the kind of emoji where the nervous laugh emoji where they kind of, like, gritted yeah. your teeth? It was like one of those kind of, like, gritted teeth smiles from, from De Laurentiis. I mean, yeah. Is this just one for the cameras or... What do you think? Well, they had to do something when Spalletti was so pissed off. He said he's not even going to stay on the bench if they don't have proper support. Well, you know, they had to they had to do something. And there was infighting amongst Napoli fans as well. And we read a statement by famous Neapolitan politicians and musicians in, in last week's episode. And I think it was on Thursday we did. Patrick Kendrick, the, you know, led, read, translated brilliantly what was said. This was a problem. This They had created a problem. And they were not united. And Napoli are not Juve. Napoli are not a stable environment. They're not a, you know, they're not a stable, controlled, calm environment. They're a volatile in- environment, and that's both good and bad. And this is what, when when it turns bad, this is how it looks. And so they needed to be united. They needed to cut this nonsense out and 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 go into this game to create some sort of momentum for them and positivity. And I think you know, Ossiman, like I said, alluded to earlier, Sue Ossiman coming back and this this photo as comical and as Italian of a photo. It's the most Italian football photo I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, this, this is, um, this is, uh, this is, this is what they needed to do. I mean, let's remember De Laurentiis was given police protection. Yeah. And because of, because of all the threats he was getting to, from certain parts of the club's fan base. Yeah. Um, the good and, thing, I think the positive from this is that hopefully they get the fans, the fans will actually cheer on. Napoli. I think that's the key to it in this actual I game. Think so. That's the I key. Think so. I think long this term, is Milan. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's no, no long term. Look, the, it's it's Naples and yeah. and the chaos. The chaos is always just around the corner, and the next crisis is just five one minute away. Mm. But they're playing Milan, and they are playing Milan in the Champions League semi final, and they need to be united and need to focus on that. And I think the ultras understand that if they are seen and perceived in the city of Naples and among that piazza and that and that tifoseria, that they are the reason for causing problems and Napoli losing that quarterfinal, well, then they will lose all of their legitimacy and all of their friends that they have. And that's, yeah. they, they will, well, I think, they will I be think, seen as a pariah. Yeah, well, I think, I think they've, they've, um, they can... <sighs> They have to win. Napoli have to go win, have to win this tie in order to save the, the ultras, in my opinion. Because if mm. it doesn't matter, the damage has been done. They've lost that first leg yeah. 1-0. Uh, they lost mm. the psychological advantage. You know, So if they go out now, whichever way you want to spin it, you know, they, they've, they've contributed to that. So I think they, they need Napoli to win just as much as uh, you know, Na- Napoli. If anyone wondered if Carlo has Neapolitan roots, they only need to listen to that 20 seconds about placing blame to understand. Like, that's, that is the only, yeah, that, yeah that, that's, that's the most Neapolitan answer I could have hoped for. Mm. Um, yes, uh, that is one way to look at it. But I mean, they, the, I, I'm sure the blame game will, will be interesting to follow. Uh, if and when Napoli are thrown out or lose mm. to a Milan. But regardless, I think that's a given now because I don't see how Napoli beat Milan by two goals without conceding at least one. Mm. Yeah, we'll come to the preview oh, after. Yeah. But let's, let's, talk, let's talk about Milan. Uh, Milan's game against Bologna. There, there really isn't much to talk about on this game either. Milan rested 10 well, players. The only player that will start against Napoli 
um, almost certainly will be Mike Magnon, a goalkeeper. Everyone else was rested. Um, in terms of the game itself, I mean... I was so impressed by by Stefano Pioli. Pioli? Because... What, were you, yes, what resting he, everyone, you mean? Well, resting everyone and getting... Milan were the better team. Yeah. They were playing against the Bologna, who were so in form and have been hyped so much. And yet Milan deserved to win that game on the preponderance of play and the chances created. They were the better side. Their reserves were better than than uh, than Bologna's best side. Mm. And and that is just all on Pioli. Again, it just goes to show what a united team this is behind their coach and what how men, the mental strength they have. Because they went they went down to a goal what within 30 seconds to, to Bologna after rotating this much. Now, if that were Inter, Inter that, that's a game Inter lose 3-0. But Milan come back, dominates, equalize, and should have perhaps had one or two penalties, or had at least one penalty, mm. or one penalty for sure, and they should have probably won that game. They were better than Bologna. Yeah, I mean, no I, I agree they probably deserve to win the game, but you know, they, they still dropped two points, and I think they're, they're, they, they got away with it because, and we'll come to Inter in a minute, they got away with it because Inter then ended up slipping up against Monza, losing to Monza. So they've gained a point on Monza, but then they've, they've lost points on Lazio and Roma. So whether or not it was the right thing to do, I mean, time will tell with the Milan versus Napoli game. Um, you know, I, can, I, I don't think it matters, to be honest, if, if if you finish second, third or fourth. It's about finishing in the top well, yeah, four. Yeah, but what I mean is that the, there's the race for the top four is still on. You know? Yeah, and, of course. And, you know, they, they, they're two points above Inter, yes, but they've lost ground on the others, you know. So the, who knows who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna finish in the top four at the end of the season. But let's remember that not, Roma have a difficult game, like fixture list left. They, they're playing Inter, Milan. They're playing, you know, they're playing all the, you know, they, they've got pretty difficult fixture list left and I expect that you, if if and when Roma go through to the semi-final of the Europa League I think that's where the focus is going to be Yeah I mean listen I, 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 I admire Pioli for having the, the balls let's say to rest 10 players and really go for this Champions League which, which, which I admire uh, time will tell whether it's the right decision or not um, you know in terms of negatives I mean there, there's no looking past Charles de Kettler again um, he he Again, the more I look at him, the more, the more I know you make the analogy to to to, to Nile, and you've said that from day one. You know, let's not judge until Give next him. season. But the more I look at him, uh, the more I just think that this he's 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 shaping up to be one of the most historic flops at Milan. I just, but I'm just seeing I'm nothing. To, I'm seeing nothing. Are you him though? I mean, because I've not heard anything. Maybe there's something about off-field issues as well, because that we don't know of of, of adapting to life in Milan. Maybe there are problems. Possibly there, because he does look like on the pitch anyway, personality wise, he looks like somebody who is very and I think I saw it in one of the, the, the player ratings, I think it's from Gazetta, where you know, just, just like a very meek, very shy, scared. scared boy. And whether that yeah, is a personality like a thing off the child. pitch. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking, is he is is there something going on off the pitch that we mm. don't know about? Because I don't know is, or whether he's just is he just not good enough player? Because it, I don't see. Yeah, yeah it's certainly from a character point of view, there's definitely big question marks. But like, even when, I, but if I just look at his attributes, of course, there's no doubt he has a wonderful left foot, and he and he probably sees the game and he's probably creative. You know, I'm not doubting the technical qualities uh, or even the kind of yeah, like his vision and things like that. Those kind of qualities. But um, I'm just looking at you know, I don't see a player that's got that. That that little explosive from one to five yards to be able to get away from someone and that little spark, which I you think you always see from great attacking players, um, and I just don't see that with him. And that's that's my concern. We knew that Tonali always had that, even when he was having his 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 difficult first season. We know that Tonali's got that in his game. 
De Ketela, okay, maybe I, you know, I haven't, I, I didn't see that much of him before he joined Milan, but I haven't seen it at all um, from him in Milan. So that's my concern. Origi, we know. I mean, he's virtually a write-off now. So you know, I mean, it was a poor signing. Yeah. It was a completely abject poor signing because that's not exactly a teenager or, or a player with a, a hot prospect for the future. Mm. Um, we're talking about someone who was the fifth striker at Liverpool, and they wanted to bring someone with experience in, and he turned out to be an abject failure. And I hope that they'll be able to offload him in the summer. Yeah, and that's the only. Yeah. He's, I just find the whole situation, and I keep saying why about Colombo. If if because Milan like to play with a big striker who's rather technical. Well, I'd rather give that spot to Colombo. At least he's young and he can train with Milan. And he can develop he a little bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure Colombo is ready. I mean, he's not even getting in the Lecce team either. No, no, I know. But, but what I'm saying is like, I'd rather spend give that spot yeah, to Yeah, no, Colombo. no, I agree. I agree. At least, let, at least yeah, totally. At least you've got something potentially from the future from him, yeah. whereas Origri, you just know you're not getting anything. What are you getting? Yeah. What are you getting? What exactly does and he And £4 million a year he's on as well. So yeah, it's, um, it's such a... Look, I, I think... Uh, Masara, as I keep saying, Ricky Masara has been probably the best sporting director, or is the best sporting director in the last two years in Italian football. But this is a howler. Origi is a mm. howler. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, it can happen, can't it? I mean, he's had yeah, an off-season. Of Marotta's had an off-season. Talking about Marotta, <laughs> Inter, I mean, I mean, I was speaking to my, one, of my, one of my good friends about Inter, and I said to him straight after the game, it was Groundhog Day, again, for Inter. That's the only way you could explain it. You this explain is the most... This is the most inter-season, Pazza inter-season I can remember since 93-94 when Inter almost got relegated from the Serie A but won the UEFA Cup. Um, it's This is just classic Inter. They that season as well. They were woeful in the league. There was no, con, there was no, nothing there. They couldn't deliver. Bagnoli was sacked, um, and then they go on and win the UEFA Cup, which was at that time what the Champions League is now. Because yeah. in the Champions League, but can I just can I just come in here and say why it's Groundhog Day for Inter? Because we see the same thing, the same. There's the same ticks on the Inter bingo card that there is mm. every single week. Number one, straight after a great result in Europe, Inter slip up. Inter slip up against a small team. Inter have so many shots, so many huge chances, cannot score. Inter have more than 25 <laughs> shots of the game, can't score. Inter attackers continue their drought. Romelu Lukaku, another huge sitter that he misses. I mean, it's it's well, Groundhog Day. Tick, tick, it's tick. Lautaro, Correa as well, Jeko. Yeah. Now all four of them decided to miss good chances in this game. Um, it's it's bizarre. Uh, but again, I keep saying this is like ninety four. I'm just waiting for Bill Murray to to appear on the pitch. That's 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 <laughs> what I'm that's what I'm waiting for next. No, look, I mean, I think there's a big difference between this game and the previous losses. I think Inter were poor in this game. They were not as dominant, uh, and they made so many simple, unforced errors when they weren't even under pressure. Uh, playing Aslani was something that, you know, this is, was the second consecutive Serie A game that he started, but he showed why he's not quite ready to do that just yet because there was no ball progression with him at the ball. Barella got so frustrated, he kept deciding he was going to do it all on his own and kept moving down and grabbing the ball and he was going to do what Brozovic did because he got so annoyed with Aslani, which made Aslani completely redundant, making Inter play with one less man on the pitch. And Barella was having a shit day as well. So he he missed simple passes, which, which just completely unbalanced the midfield. Um, Denzel Dumfries' attitude was disgusting. He, I don't know what who he thinks he is. 
uh, walking around, <laughs> making gestures and and pointing around. I thinking love as if your, I sort of, love your how you just, go after and dump his every single week. It's like me and no, Allegri. but I'm not going after. Look, <laughs> it's like me watch and the games. It's, it's nothing personal. I know. I It's just. I mean, just look at the attitude. I mean, what the the, the half-hearted, half-assed runs, brainless, didn't even track back when he makes them. Um, make simple mistakes, can't cross a ball to save his life. Uh, and then, I mean, every single one of them. Lukaku was the only one who at least was working hard, but of course he's he can't Can score you now. To me? Misses- why is why the Inter fans, I've seen it a lot, why do Inter fans call Dumfries brick freeze? <laughs> because he's got the because the first touch he's got brick for feet. Oh right, okay, brick. <laughs> and and he's got. This, <laughs> it cracks it's me up that name. It's like brick freeze. Why are they calling him brick freeze? No, he's because he's he is he's brick city when it comes to his, his control of the ball or the lack thereof. He can't cross a ball. Uh, it's it was just woeful to watch um, every single player and 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 again. You know when when the, and Simone as well when he, the changes he makes were too late. I mean, that's all on uh, Simone Inzaghi. Why did not Raúl Belanova start this game? Denzel Dumfries is not good enough. Play him in the in Europe then, because that apparently is the only tournament. You know, as Marco Parolo said after I think it was brilliant. He said after the game, former Lazio player coach that was played under Inzaghi. He said Inter players only care about themselves. They only care about showing off in the greatest stage because that's good for their careers. Mm. Um, but even the I thing they... is though, Nimit, even though and I do agree with you, this, you know, Inter weren't, Inter made a lot of unforced errors in this game, but at the end of the day, it's still the bottom line. If you, if you tally up the number of big chances that Inter had mm. in this game, they still created a host of absolutely huge yeah. chances. Sitters, mm. you know, like you said, all four of the strikers missed Mr. Sitter pretty much. I think, yeah, I think they did. Mm. All four of them missed the Sitter in this game. Maybe not Correa, but the other three did, and Correa had a good chance himself. Um, you know, and they, they still had an XG. I mean, this isn't super high, but it's still it's still 1. pretty 9. damn 5, high. 1.89 yeah. uh, XG yeah. into had to 0.88 for for Monza. Um, so, you know, again... Yeah, but it's it's the same thing over and over again. It's like, they, 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 you know, they create chances, they don't score, they get frustrated. They the it's, it's like a virus that goes from one player to another, this frustration and annoyance. And then they start missing simple passes and they start with a negative body language and they all just bring is each other down. Is it a psychological down. issue now in the sense Without that, a doubt. Sense Without that, a you know, doubt. You know, this is happening, like I said, because it's Groundhog Day. It's happening time after time. Yeah. It's like they almost, you know... It's, it's affecting them when they have these chances. And now, you know, you look at their you look at their run. You know, they've now gone five without a win in Serie A. One point from those five games. They've scored two goals from those five games. Uh, they've now got 11 defeats in Serie A, which is insane number of defeats. Uh, only twice before have they lost, the, lost 11 games at the 30... Uh, sorry, lost 11 matches at the 30-game stage, which is, which is where we are. And for the first time in history... Inter have lost three straight games in Serie A at San Siro without scoring a goal. So, you know, that that's psychologically, this has got to be affecting them, hasn't it? Of course. No, there, this is a mental issue because uh, I think it's a combination of a qualitative issue and a mental issue. And I think Simone Inzaghi, uh, the camera zoomed in on him at that point, at some point in the second half. And I thought he was going to quit at half. I thought he was going to quit after the game. Like he he had that look of, I'm done with you people. What is wrong with you? We do everything, work everything, we prepare everything, and as soon as it's game time, you can't score to save your lives against these teams. 
Um, and, 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 you know, there are rumors going around that he wanted to resign after the Empoli game, but was convinced to stay on. Um, they're not verified, of course, but we, so we have to say they are rumors. Um, I, I understand. I mean, it's, it's, he's completely left alone again. Um, nobody comes out to, 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 to shoulder the responsibility with him. The, every single day there, his, his job is being speculated of who it's going to take over and who's not going to take over and what's going to happen next season and whatnot. Um, there's no ownership structure in place. There's nothing there. There's no società, to use Italian terminology. I've and seen so, also that Inter fans have been very critical of Marotta and the, and the upper management, how they only seem course. to come out and talk when Inter win. And when yeah. they lose, they, 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 exactly. they go into hiding. They all hide like mice. They all, they all do their best cricket impression and <laughs> cricket. So we haven't heard that one for a while. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's embarrassing. But I mean, this, this is Inter as a whole. But, and then of course, whenever, you know, again, Inter go into a game, they start well, they start creating chances, they miss, they get frustrated. One player isn't, you know, someone like Barella decides to be a leader and he's not having a good day. He makes Aslani completely redundant. Inter playing essentially with 10 men. Denzel Dumfries has a shitty attitude, can't play football, can't cross. And it just goes round and round. And then of course, in the, in towards the, from the 70th minute onwards, the opposition have a corner or a set piece. Inter forget to defend like Bastoni did on Caldirola. They head in the goal game over finished. It's, it's just another it, form, it really another form of interplay. Two weeks in a row. It's like they're almost well, like they're being trolled. It's like like adding, no. you know. Yeah, well, this is Inter. This is classic Inter. This is vintage Pazza Inter. This is part of it. And Caldirola, of course, came on in the first in the two-two game. He was it was a judge to be a to be a own goal, but he's the re, he's he, he had the header. That. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So Luca Caldirola, former Inter player, Inter Primavera player, a huge Inter fan. Of course, he's going to score. Michele Di Gregorio also came up through the ranks at Inter. Has a you know has has a fantastic game. It's it's just it's it's just peak interismo. This is peak mm. interismo, which is why I come back to the ninety three ninety four season because there are a lot of parallels here. That was the Pellegrini era, the year before he sold to Moratti. Everyone knew that Pellegrini was tired. He was fed up with Inter. Wanted to sell. The team was pretty poorly put together. They they almost got relegated from the Serie A, but they won the UEFA Cup. They did well in Europe, and it was a complete mind f watching inter there was no sense in it um and and it's this is exactly how it feels again watching inter yeah um oh. now now we'll have to wait and see i mean if they uh, if, if they if they were to lose against benfica or, or get knocked out then i think inzaghi's definitely will definitely be gone oh no it's it, it's over it's complete I'm like, be, it's, like instantly after the game there's no doubt about that i mean i think it's very unlikely i think inter in such a strong position but you know if it was to happen, I think, yeah, he's, defi- he's definitely gone. Just before we move on to Lazio, uh, just a word of... But I just wanted to say, there, there's quite an interesting, I mean, you know, we know the same thing is true here of, of like, you know, 93, 94 and now, because Suning are going to sell at the latest within a year. It's a team that's kind of poorly built together. It's got a few good, it's got good individual players. Some of the players are really good, but they can't deliver consistently. There's a lot of parallels there. But of course, the other parallel well, if Coach. for Inter, if I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, not, not just that. I'm just more the sense that if Inter are going to go on and win the Champions League, um, as they did back then in '94 to win the UEFA Cup. Well, there's a counter narrative because there's also another narrative across town with Milan. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, his cur- his Champions League curse. He's part of Milan. They're in the Champions League. They could reach a semi final or a final, and he's not registered to be there. If they do, which would be the ultimate, like. In, like think imagine Milan win the Champions League and Ibrahimovic doesn't get a winner's medal. Mm. 
I mean, it's it's madness. So there are there are competing narratives for yeah. for crazy. Even in that ninety three ninety four season, Bagnoli, uh, Osvaldo yeah, Bagnoli, got he got sacked, got sacked in the with a couple of months or so left of the season and and was replaced by Giampiero Marini, who then won yeah. the won the won the UEFA Cup. Yeah, as an interim coach. So I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they can afford to sack Inzaghi, and I think it would be madness to do so uh, in bringing Christian Kivu to. Who, 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 for that's throwing away the season as long as they're in the Champions League, that is. Mm. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, they, they have to go through to the, to the semi final if they do, you know, because I think Inter have a bigger shot. Look, if Inter want to play Champions League football next, next season, they're going to have to win the Champions League. I think it's done now. It's over. Yes, they're two points away from Milan, but I expect Juventus to get those 15 points back. And then God knows how what happens with Well, the that's other, the thing with Juventus. Uh, I think they get the 15 points back. But I think, listen, a lot depends on, you know, if that other case is settled before the end of the season. Um, and Yeah, but even if it's settled after the season, what happens? What's going to well, happen? Well, that's why there's no, that's, that's why it's such a mess, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's, there's no existing so, laws and it's all arbitrary about when it'll be decided and, and you know so who knows well, it's not arbitrary it's just they're not finished <laughs> no no it's not finished <laughs> but like there's not really any existing law in terms of well when we when we try a case it has to be decided by this point so no one knows what's going to happen and when they do decide it it's kind well, of what we do know is what we said on thursday and that is that you the the figc have informed Juve that their investigation into the salary maneuver what's known as a salary maneuver has been concluded and juventus have two weeks to hand in their response and then after that they'll decide on the on on what what juventus have said and what everyone have said what the correct position of the law is in terms of the sporting aspect of it this is just a sporting thing this is the figc uh in, uh, um, investigation into into the salary maneuvers and we'll know then what and if and what and how it'll happen but before then i expect juventus to get their 15 points back so we could be in a position where both milan and juve are out of the champions league and if they want to play in the champions league next season they're just gonna have to win it yeah yeah it's 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 it's, it's not something you can yeah you, you certainly can't make any calculations that's the point i'm making mm. um just a word on just a quick very quick word on monza um, we, you have to give a huge praise. I mean, what they've done this season in their first season back in Serie A mm. for God knows how many years, and they they do the double over Juventus and they go unbeaten against Inter in 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 both games and win and win one of those games. They drew the first well, game, right? It was a draw. Yeah, two two, two, two and two, they win two. this game. So Look. I mean, they've taken from from ten points from twelve against uh, Juventus and Inter. I mean, that's an incredible. Um, achievement from Monza, especially when you consider they started the season losing their first five games. And well, because they had an awful coach. They had the worst coach in the Serie A to start the season. And I was saying that in our Serie A preview, that the sooner Monza sacks Stroppa, the better off they will be. Uh, and that's been 100 turned out because I look at that squad and I think it's squad that should be in the top 10 in the Serie A. Yeah, agreed. And I, and, I th- and I have no doubt that they would be if, it, if they hadn't if they had Palladino from the beginning of the season and not mm. Stroppa. No, no, they're very impressive. And I thought Pessina was, was great. I think Churia's yeah. had a really good uh, yeah, Churia, um, yeah. season. Sensi, oh, he got another injury, which is typical Sensi. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's good, good, nice for, um, for Galliani and for Bedesconi, who obviously has been in intensive care and not been very well. He's got leukemia and um, yeah, so... So yeah, good good day all round for for uh, for Monza and um, yeah, I think I wonder what Bellasconi sent the players <laughs> from his <laughs> from his hospital bed. <laughs> God knows. Lazio then, Lazio, uh, they win again, and I think now it's it's absolutely certain that they've got top four sewn up because yeah. they they've won they won three nil 
and they they against Spezia away, and then now the gap between them and fifth place. And let me just double check this, make sure I've it's got this right. Points it's ten points Inter. with eight it's games ten to go. Points Inter. Mm. Yeah, and and then they're playing Inter and they're playing Milan, uh, both of them away. Um, look, even if they lose those two, that's four points to spare. Mm. against Torino, Sassuolo, Lecce, Udinese, Cremonese and Empoli. I expect... It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Milan and Inter are not winning all their games anyway. So it's, well, exactly. It's, 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 just, it's just not going to happen. I, th- I think Lazio have got it all sewn up. I think Lazio have got it all in the bag. If in, uh, And, and you got to, again, Maurizio Sarri, you got to give credit where credit is due. The, the, some of the goals... The second think, goal, the, the second, move for the, the second, second goal. goal. I mean, if, he, if he'd have scored that, just, if he'd have scored that Anderson without the defender getting a touch before, that would have yeah. been goal of the season. It was I mean, unreal. It's just, they just keep doing yeah. this time and time again. The same thing against Juve. They, it doesn't matter if it's Spezia, Inter, Juve, La, Milan. They just, they play some of the most sublime attacking football that I think I've ever seen. And he's doing it with players that have never, ever played at this, played this good before, Sarri. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, some of those goals belong in the Louvre. Yeah, so they beautiful. completely dominated. They 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 totally dominated this game. I I don't know what you thought about the penalty though. I I thought that was really harsh um, for the first penalty that they got. I mean, mm. ultimately, it didn't matter. The Lazio were much the better team, but you know, it was nil nil at the time. And goes back to what I've, I've said so many times. You know, I just think you can't give penalties unless it's you know unless you're certain of it, and because the reward is too high and. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was a bit unfair, really. But yeah, again, pretty pretty very very uh, comfortable win for Lazio. Very very impressive. And, and it's important to get Ciro Immobile back scoring again, isn't it? Because he's had a bit of a weird for sure. But now that. he's uh, fractured his rib. He had a car accident, didn't he? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. The most Italian yeah, thing ever. He, he had an accident with a tram driver, and the tram driver blamed Immobile for in Rome. Yeah. It's like the most the the most Italian accident ever. Yeah. It's like, of course, your car hit a tram and the tram and the tram and the tram driver is blaming you. Yeah, typical. Yeah. It reminds me of my 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 granddad who, who who's, who's long <laughs> long since passed. Um, he, he he left us in the year two thousand, and he Rest used to he used to be like typical kind of like Italian southern. He like he enjoyed a drink, and during the <laughs> afternoon. And he, he used to, you know, sometimes, he, you know, you know what it was like back in the day when people used to have a drink and they used to drive. They're probably yeah. a little bit over the limit, but, you know, that was kind of the accepted thing back in the day. Uh, well, anyway, one one afternoon, he, he'd had a few too, too many to drink. He, he was drunk and he drove back home. And as he was driving down his, his street back home, he proceeded to basically crash his car into every single car that was parked <laughs> down the street. But he, he hit... And this is no exaggeration. He hit about ten cars down the street. Right? I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's not drinking and driving. It's no laughing matter. But, but this was is... back in a day when that was kind of accepted. Like, this was, I think, probably in the 80s, the 1980s, or maybe the early 90s. When I mean, it probably wasn't accepted back then. But it was more accepted than it is than it is now, especially among the older, gen- especially among the older generation. It was yeah. kind of you know they were have a drink. Oh, I've only had four. He hit every single. I've car only had four or five. It's all right, you know. Yeah, and he hit every single car. He's he hit hit every single car down the street right during the middle of the afternoon and and my granddad was quite uh he was quite loud quite passionate kind of you you know guy was he from was he the is that the neapolitan no he's not from neapolitan he was from puglia he's from from foggia Ah, and and well anyway so he smashed it obviously he made a huge noise and so that all the street, basically the whole street came out and all the people that own these cars that had been came out and they were like, what are you doing? Like, 
Anyway, my, my granddad, my nonna, proceeded to blame every single person down the street for the way they parked, you know? And he was shouting at them, why did you park like that? Why did you park your car there? Your car was, like, even though he'd, he'd crashed into te- like 10 cars, he was blaming every single every other person. Oh, brilliant. What are the- I love these stories that you share of your family. They are unbelievably good. Yeah. Or your own stories as well. They're absolutely that was the tram. That was the tram driver. That was... <laughs> just made me think of my granddad no but he's luckily he's okay um you know fractured ribs are yeah and his daughter's okay because i think she got a little bit of an injury as well but she was i think everyone was so hopefully you know we'll we'll, i think we'll see him in a couple of weeks time but it doesn't matter because lazio don't need him this season he's they played no they haven't and that's the thing isn't it that they've actually you know they they found a way to to proceed without immobile which is something that you know it's not easy like napoli are going to have that trouble as we've discussed already, we're not if Osimhen leaves Ossiman. this summer, that's becoming apparent now. That's going to become a problem. Um, whereas Nazio Nap- mm-hmm. seem to have already have already solved the issue, haven't they? Yeah, they have to just keep a hold of Maurizio Sarri mm. in order to uh, yeah for next season, you know, because Sarri's resolved it by playing his brand of football. Yeah, they sure have. A team that also needs to solve their goal scoring problems <laughs> is Juventus. Who lose to Sassuolo one nil on on Sunday evening? <sighs> They're embarrassing away record. There's, a bit, there's, there's, there's two points I want to make from from, from this game um, about Juventus's away record uh, and about their their attack and their their, their inability to to create chances. Um, first of all, it was a dreadful performance from Juventus. I have to make that point first. They were they were outplayed. Again, for the third time in a week, they were outplayed. And Sassuolo created, I counted, five big chances in this match. Um, and Juventus had one and a half big chances. That The chance that Di Maria had when he prodded over, which I wouldn't say was really clear, clear, but it was a good, very good chance. And and the header off a corner, Rabiot, which was brilliantly saved from, from Consigli. Uh, that's it. That's all Juventus had in this game. Uh, Sassuolo created the, the big open chances and they had five of them. They only scored one of them. Um, Juventus didn't have their first chance until the 67th minute with that header um, from, from, from Rabiot, which I, which I mentioned. Um, so the two, yeah, the two main points I wanted to say, first of all, Juventus' away record this season is absolutely abysmal. Uh, it's played 15 in Serie A, won seven, drawn two, lost six. They've scored 13 goals in 15 Serie A away games this season, conceded 13. 13 goals scored in 15 away games. That is absolutely unbelievably bad. It is, I, I can't underline how bad that is for a team that's, <laughs> that's, that's fighting, well, fighting for top four, but wanting to fight for the Scudetto, but even saying wanting to fight for the top four, even wanting to fight for Europe, scoring 13 goals away is, is terrible. And they've now lost nine games away from home in all competitions. Remember, they also lost all three games in the, the Champions League group stages away from home, including against Maccabi Haifa. Um, so first of all, before I talk about the attack and the creating the problems, I mean, what, what can you say about this, Nimmer, about this away record? I mean, because their home record is actually really good. I think it's mm. I think they've actually got the best home record in Serie A this season. I, I think they might even be better than Napoli's now because Napoli have lost a, few home ga- a couple of home games recently. Um, I'm pretty sure Juventus have got the best home record in Serie A, but their away record is is so bad. I mean, what? Yeah, Juventus do have the best home record in all Serie A. 36 point, 11 wins, three draws, one loss. Um, and then away, they are they are dreadful. <laughs> um, they they are absolutely abysmal. They're sixth, oh, but 
we should say they are sixth with one one game in hand to Milan, who are just above them. Um, but yeah, no, they they don't have a good home record. Uh, they really, really. Don't. I think it's the goal scoring as well. I mean, I mean, Inter have got a bad, a worse away record actually than Juventus. Um, have, they do. Have this they scored twenty-one goals, and so have Milan. And so have Milan as well. They've got worse. But they, they yeah. both two teams. At least, I mean, they're scoring. But Juventus, I mean, thirteen goals. I mean, thirteen goals in fifteen games. I mean, that is just that sticks out like a sore thumb. That's that number. I mean, it does. It really does. But I think it also shows. That it's a team in it's it's a work in progress, isn't it? I mean, it's a team that's not creating a lot away. Uh, they're not a team that create generally a lot, um, but they usually Allegri teams have that kind of killer instinct, and and this season they don't have that. And we've spoken about that about with Vlaovic and so on and so forth. But I don't think it really. I think the broader point here is not just Juventus as a way record in this game. I think it's it's no it's not by chance that every single t- Italian team that play... I mean, we're recording this on a Monday before Fiorentina play, but so far, the out of the seven that have played in Europe last week, Roma. only Roma won. Every other one, every other other team lost or drew. So that tells me that no Serie A team, or generally Serie A teams as a whole, don't have the depth to compete on, mm-hmm. at this point of the season, on several fronts. Um and 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 there's also the motivation issue. Juventus know they're not going to finish in the top four overall. Um, so they did they rest a few players as well, win. as did Milan, did. as did Inter, yeah. Um, yeah. as did, well, as Inter did Napoli, rotated so. five players. Yeah. yeah, so so there is, but that's what I'm saying that the, the depth just isn't there for these teams to perform on on two fronts. And Napoli have built such a huge lead, so you can't really blame them. They've already won the Serie A. Inter and Milan, you can blame them more because they haven't won anything and they haven't secured anything. And Juventus, well, you kind of kind of understand that because, well, they have to deal with what they've got and what they know is that they are, you know, they don't know they're going to get their 15. Allegri doesn't know for a fact that he's going to get those 15 points back and he knows his best chance to play in the Champions League next season is is to win the Europa League. Yeah. Um, so so there is that, that's, the, that's the overall point. But if we look at the actual away record, yes, I think it's dreadful. Uh, there's no excusing it. Um, you know, it's it's unacceptable for a team like Juventus to score thirteen goals in fifteen games. It's unacceptable for them to 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 not do better. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I look no at this game, I think part of the problem is that generally Allegri's gone three five one one in away games. He's extra, he's extra cautious in in the away <laughs> games. This game, I mean, that that's a problem in itself. And that I mean, it's a very simple <laughs> way of looking at it, but that that does help explain why. They've, they've created and scored so few goals, <laughs> but in this game he actually went three five two. But he went, he went Milik and 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 uh, Vlaovic together. I mean, it's just. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just common sense that th- those two are never going to work together. They're way too similar. Mm. They're two big strikers who you know they they're just they're too alike. They're, they're just yeah. not going to work together. Um, so yeah. I mean, I just thought that was a really big big mistake. But if if we're looking at the broader picture, and the problem is. You know, I've said this, and I, and I tweeted about this even after the sporting game, which which Juventus won. So people can't criticise me for just, you know, jumping on a bad result because they won that game against Sporting. But Juventus and Allegri, Allegri is incapable of building an attack in open play. Juventus, <laughs> they can only create on a counter attack, on a cross, if we're talking about open play, but basically off corners and set pieces, and that's which is where the 
the Brexit football <laughs> comes in. Oh my God, and, here we go, here we go. In, a, in open play, <laughs> it is abysmal. They're just incapable of creating, putting any kind of patterns together to create anything in open play. And I did some digging on this after the, after the sporting game, because in that sporting game in which Juventus were so incredibly lucky to win that game, they had a 0.24 open play XG. They basically created nothing from open play against, against, against Sporting Lisbon. Um, so I did a little bit of digging, and this is this this, this is accurate as before the the weekend games, so not after. Uh, it would have got worse after the after the game against Sassuolo because Juventus actually had a 0.4 open play xG against against Sassuolo. Juventus tenth in Serie A for open play expected goals this season, and Juventus had a 29 29 um, open play xG. Before the before the last match day. Well, what about Ten. for actual goals from open play? Where are they on that? Have you checked? Actual out? open play. I think they had thirty. I think they had thirty from from open play. It was it was similar. It was it was pretty much similar. But I think they had I think they had one more goal um, mm. than than their, than their expected. Their I expected just thought goals. when 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 Fagioli was substituted off for getting for basically making that goal for Sassuolo that mistake, I and started crying. I I felt bad for him. Yeah. But I just couldn't stop laughing because that's the most allegri thing in the world. Like what? What do you mean? Like stopping well, him or yes, stopping him after and the was, mistake yeah. immediately, immediately after the mistake. Like right, you're off. And and I think that will help Fajoli. Yes, he was upset and he cried and all that. But this is the profession. Mm. This is professional sports. It is unforgiving. It is that hard. You have to deliver. You can't make mistakes like that. And it don't have. I think in the long run, it, it, it's, it benefits like Juric and uh, what's his name, Juric um, when he substituted the, the what's his name, Radonjic for the yeah <laughs> like yeah no no I, ten I, minutes I, off coming on. So. Yeah, but I think you know you have to yeah, actions have to have consequences in, at this level. And I think even though it's harsh. It will benefit Juve and it will benefit Fajoli in the long run if he learns from it. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, I, I don't want to lay too much blame. It was a bad. It was a bad mistake. But you know, those things can happen. Um, and I mean, let's be honest. All the individuals were terrible in in, in this game, uh, pe- apart from Perrin, who who who's been absolutely brilliant this season. For me, the best number two in Europe. But I mean, my overall point stands. Juventus just just can't create from open play, and that, that's where. You know, when 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 you say work in progress, I know you're only using a term there. You didn't mean it literally, but but you know when you, there is, I don't see any progress because the, the, there. Is, I mean, I thought things were picking up a few weeks ago. Remember, I said on the pod that mm-hmm. this for the first time I'm starting. To, I thought I was starting to see some progress with with Juventus in terms of just the efficiency and just that feeling of. Uh, that things were inevitable. Juventus were inevitably going to win games, even when they weren't in their best. You know, the last five games, Juventus have really been bad. It started with the Verona game, that they won 1-0, but they played terribly in that game. Um, then there was the 1-1 with Inter, when Inter were the better team, and they, the Juventus kind of only finished strongly in that game, kind of last 20 minutes. Um, uh, they were outplayed completely last week, 2-1 to Lazio. They were completely outplayed by Sporting, and they were just they were lucky to win 1-0. And then again, they were outplayed for most of this game against Sassuolo, and they were they were mm. so bad going forward. Um, so you know, again, you know, I'm I'm just I'm kind of I just feel like I'm back to square one now with my feelings on, on Allegri, uh, and I hope they can just somehow sneak through versus Sporting because the league's gone now. I think they will. The league's gone, uh, and you know, unless they get those 15 points back, and even with those 15 points back, they're in, you know they'll be in with the fight now for, for for top four, even with those 15 points, and. Um, 
yeah, it's, 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 it's really bad. Vlaovic, as I said, abysmal in this game. There was one example I want to pick out for Vlaovic in this game. When Geyser came on, it was the 70th minute, so everyone can go back and look. He had the easiest through pass on to put Chiesa through, Chiesa through on guy. It was such an easy pass. He, and he overhit it. And it, for me, that just summed up everything about Vlaovic at the moment. Like a simple pass to put, to, it was a straight pass. It wasn't even a, you know, it wasn't even a difficult pass. And he totally messed it up. And, and it's, and it's just like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to look right now. I just hope Juve can. I hope Juve can somehow sneak through and I hope that Sevilla can somehow knock Man United out because Man United have got a lot of injuries and they, they, they threw away that game and drew 2-2. If, if mm. Sevilla were to somehow sneak through against United, then Juventus can, can, can beat Sevilla. But I thought, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, that I felt like, you know what? You know, I thought Juventus maybe had a chance against United. But the way Juventus are playing now, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't see that. I think they do still have that chance against United. I think they got a chance against both Sevilla. And, well, no, I think and they've United. got a chance against Sevilla because Sevilla are not a good team. But 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 Man mm. United, yeah, even mm. playing as the way they, the way they are now, I mean, it's it's, it's really bad. <laughs> He's going to stand there with the UEFA Europa League trophy, and you're going to bitch about. I'm not going to bitch. I hope they do it. I really <laughs> hope they do it because uh, it's the only thing no. where they can get something out this season. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah. you know, because with the with the points penalty. Well, as well. there's the Coppa Italia return leg as well next week. Uh, that, well, I mean, that, kind uh, of to get into the Champions League. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah that's fair. That's to fair. get in the Champions fair. League. Yeah. Okay, uh, Roma. Just to finish off, just 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 quickly, good win for Roma, three nil. Uh, I think a good warm up for the final game. I thought they were really unlucky against final to lose one. They didn't Me did too. not deserve to lose that game against final no. in midweek. They deserve. And it's going to be draw. this return leg is going to be an absolutely. It's going to be a packed Olimpico. Uh, it's going to be a European night, and Mourinho is just. He's he can say they're so solid defensively. He's going to approach that game with 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 you know carefully approach that game. Try to get you know you know surely slowly but surely grind Feyenoord down, score one, and then you know allow Feyenoord a little bit time to get into attack them, and then you know up the tempo and hurt hurt them again, and yeah, and just do do I those feel, kinds of. What's what's the situation he, with Kibala Nima? Is he going to be back or is he going to be out? For the, for the, I don't know. I haven't seen. I, I mean, is he? Hopefully, he'll be back because I think. You know he, he's he's such an important player, but I've not I've not seen anything. Yeah, nor have I. Nor have I. I've been trying to trying to find out. What I've been trying to find is. something out there either. I've not seen anything. I mean, Abraham's back, which is good because there was concerns about him. But he came on and he scored in in this game. But is there is there any are we surprised that Pellegrini finally looks good when Dybala isn't there? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like this is what well, that we was spoke the other about on the squad from this game. That Pellegrini, we hope he, he and he said it after the game, didn't he? We hope this will liberate him, Pellegrini. It's his yeah. first open goal. Uh, open play goal for 560 days. I mean, that's that's horrendous. That is so bad. It really is unbelievable that he, he's gone that long without scoring a goal from open play. So we hope that he liberates and we hope it also it's an immediate recovery from that penalty miss against Feyenoord. I mm. hope they can do it against Feyenoord. I wasn't impressed by Feyenoord. I'll be honest with you. Neither I was not I. impressed at all um, in the first I. leg. And I feel like if Roma play how they can play, they play to their best of the ability... I think they can go through. Just and they need that, that crowd behind their back because they that is the eleventh, like the twelfth man. I mean, it is. It, it, we keep saying that, but look for for cities like Rome and, and and Naples, like these piazza, they are like that crowd can elevate them to do crazy things. Like when they beat Barcelona, or you know, a few years ago with Eusebio Di Francesco, like that. Those magical moments in time 
can happen at that stadium, and they need one of those nights yeah. uh, for the crowd to do that because I, I, they, they, they have a really a famous good Roma comeback. We, we've seen them before. Yes. we've seen them before. Yeah, there are there before. are a lot of examples of that from there the past. I mean, the Barcelona one, Dundee United in 1984, they lost two 0 yeah. the first leg, yeah. the semi final of the European Cup, come back and won three yeah. 0 the second leg. I mean, yeah, Roma does do comebacks and. Yeah, they do. And Mourinho is the guy to lead them to do it. And I think at home at the Olympico, if they can, you know, I, I really want to, because I think they've got a pathway to the final. I think so and too, because also because the other game was 1-1 between between yeah. Union uh, SG and, and Leverkusen and Union are at home yeah. for, the first, for the second yeah. leg. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's there for them. I, I hope they can do it. Um, right, rest of the Serie A weekend match calendar, just quickly. Cremonese, two wins in a row. Uh, yeah, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still think they're too far away. I think they're seven, seven off safety. I mean, it's, it's unlikely, but... It's not impossible. But, but yeah, good, good. They've, they've, they've kept themselves alive. Uh, Lecce won, Sampdoria won. Bad, bad result for Lecce. I mean, the Sampdoria does nothing for them, but for Lecce, bad, bad result for them. Terrible result for them. That, that, yeah, that, they're in the relegation battle. They might battle, regret yeah. that. that. That could be yeah. the draw that... that you know, at the end of the season, I mean, I still think they should be okay, but you know, they they they, they haven't won for so long, and they they destroyed Sapdoria in this game. They had so many chances, and and now they're only how many points are they above the relegation zone now? Um, Lecce, Lecce five, five points. they're five points. Yeah, yeah. so uh, it's very no. Look, it's it's look. If Cremonese have nineteen, Verona twenty three, Spezia twenty six, Lecce twenty eight. That's it's those four teams, mm. um, and Cremonese have two wins in a row. So, yeah. if Ballardini pulls this off, I mean, good God, yeah. build a, I don't know, but Serie A should build a statue to him <laughs> for his honour, because yeah. Cremonese have no business doing that. But yeah, they keep doing it. And and Verona, uh, Verona play, they, they travel to Bologna, and then Cremonese Hellas Verona, mm. 30th of April, 3pm. Yeah. Make sure There are some that. big relegation head-to-heads coming up. Uh, Torino won mm. Salernitana 1, which is a good result for, for Salernitana. Again, two, two, two good uh, results in a row after the Inter game. And that, that just keeps them, you know, uh, the gap over the over the, the, the relegation zone. I think they're six, mm. are they six or seven over, over the relegation zone. Um, Who? Uh, Salernitana. Salernitana. They're seven points. Seven off. points. Uh, yeah. So they've got a nice little gap there. They should be. They should be okay. Uh, and then yeah, we're recording this on Monday uh, after late afternoon. Fiorentina. We're recording this, and Fiorentina play Atalanta uh, ahead of the well. Fiorentina play on Thursday in the in the Conference League. Champions League preview very quickly. Uh, we've already discussed this. We've already did a preview uh, that you can get on. You can see on YouTube and in our show from last week uh, for the Napoli Milan second leg. Uh, so Osimhen is back. That is that is crucial. But Anguissa is out. Kim Minjay is out. So the question are really who replaces them? We've Juan Jesus that will replace Kim. I think that's pretty God. clear. Who replaces Anguissa in, in centre midfield? Well, he will have to go with uh, what's his name? Yeah, no. Oh, well, Elmas it seems Elmas feels like the natural player to to go. Um, or he I think he, I everyone. think he plays Zielinski in a more deeper role. To, to take yeah. Zanguisa and then and then he plays Elmas, I think. Yeah. But it's possible he could so play well. Undombele, but I'm not sure he'll trust him from the yeah. start. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And who plays on the right wing? Who would you play on the right wing for Napoli? Would you play Lozano or would you play 
Or would you play uh, Politano? I'd play Politano over Lozano in this game because I think it's the kind of game that suits him more. Napoli are going to be crossing a lot of balls into mm. the box. And I think Lozano's crossing, that's not really his forte, is it? I think Politano's better than yeah. that. It's a tricky one for me because I feel like the Rafael Leal, I think Lozano does a better job covering defensively. defensively. Yeah. And I think they do still need to think about Leal because I do think he's going to be a threat. Um, but then again, Napoli do need to open up. So I see both both, both sides. Uh, I wonder if Milan don't play a three four two one against uh, Napoli. You think so? Just to, mm. to, 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 I'm thinking out loud. I'm wondering if he was, if he wants to like really centralize and and shut you know close me and surprise Napoli and 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 basically just shut every, shut them down in the middle um, mm. and and just send them out to the wings and have three players in the air with Mike Mignon, you know collectively just all right here have the ball sending crosses yeah if you know what i mean that's, I, that's I would be I surprised i would be surprised but you can't count pioli because he, he has had spalletti's number this season all mm. three games including yeah. the one that that, that, Mil- that lost, Napoli yeah. won i thought the milan were the better team tactically and mm. just in performance in that game as well yeah it's gonna be interesting there were fears that Giroud would be out but he's he's fine he trained today uh, yeah, so, so I would expect this. I would expect the same team from Milan. Into Benfica, as we discussed, Inzaghi. If, he, if they lose, Inzaghi is out. They've got two nil, two nil lead, and we talked about Inter's bad run of form. Well, yeah, Benfica, Benfica have fallen suddenly, off a cliff. Yeah, what is going on? They've there? fallen off a cliff. They were ten points clear of Porto. Now they're just four. Yeah, and Sergio Conceição. You know how much I love this guy. <laughs> But like, if he pulls this off, and he pulls off a domestic quadruple because they've already won the League Cup and the Super Cup, they're in the semi-final of the Portuguese Cup, and they're four points clear with six games left to play. Sorry, four points up with six games left to play, and and Benfica have a difficult, more difficult fixture list. If he pulls this off, my yeah, God. I don't know what's happened to Benfica. Three, they've got three defeats in a row. I mean, there's no disgrace losing to Porto and Inter, but they lost to mm. to Chavez in this, in yeah. this, who are I think mid-table. Yeah, yeah they're completely with, off a, with a 94th minute goal as well. So I feel yeah. like we're talking psychologically about Inter. I think psychologically, Benfica can't be in good shape. They've got a young team. No, they're not. They've got they're a young not. team as well. Um, so, yeah, they have. Yeah, I think uh, I think Inter have got Inter. They would it would require a real. Pats it into collapse for them to. Yeah, three. They have to lose by three goals. Yeah, yeah, or two and on penalties. But yeah, I think in some, not, they, 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 I think they will be motivated. They, should, they, 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 should, they, be, should, they should be good in this game. Um, yeah. Europa League. So as we said, Sporting nil, Juventus one. We're playing in Lisbon, and Sporting drew as well um, at, at the weekend. Yeah. And um, yeah, Juventus need to play a lot, hell of a lot better than than, than they than they have done. Uh, and they need to improve their away form. Although their away form in the Europa League has been be- has been okay uh, so far in the knockouts. Um, Roma, as we as we dis- we've discussed that already, we hope they can turn that around. And Fiorentina in the Conference League quarterfinal, they they won four one against Lech Poznan, and they'll be absolutely fine. Uh, in no, the- they'll be fine. They have to get through. It's as simple as yeah. that. They, There'll they be no be problems. There. In fact, I would expect them no. to even rotate players. No. They have to go. Yeah, exactly. They, they have to go. I think tonight against Fiorentina, I think Fiorentina need to just get themselves focused on the Coppa Italia and to get themselves into the top seven, top eight of, of the Serie A because you know, they need to finish with decency in the league because it's not been a good campaign. But yeah, no, look, they, Fiorentina could be in two cup finals this season and that yeah. would that would make this season a success as opposed oh, to... Oh no, they, they've hit form right at the right time. Right yeah. at the right time, no and they look fresh. They look, they look fresh, and they look they fit really as do. well, and that's important. Uh, right, let's move on to Badjo and Prem face of the week. Okay, Badjo Nima, do you have any? 
Lazio's second goal um, was the build-up to that was mouth-wateringly beautiful. Like it's just it's it was stunning, absolutely stunning. I thought it was. Yeah. I mean, the build-up was just mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with Lazio. Let's go with Lazio. They, they've they've put themselves. They basically secured a top four place. So so mm. well done to them. Prem face of the week is super competitive this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't. It's like are they, are they? It's not even top sport this week. It's it's um, it's Richard Keys a being sport who. Twice said, I mean, you you take it away about what he said about Frank Lampard and Nagelsmann. Well, it well, just first of all, he so... tweeted. First of all, he tweeted about about this in the in the week earlier in the week. He, he tweeted probably at the start of last week. He tweeted basically saying that Frank Lampard is a better manager than than Nagelsmann. He's more like proven, and you know what has Nagelsmann basically done? He, he that 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 resulted in him, in him a pylon of him getting absolutely destroyed. People just calling him basically calling him a prem face and a complete idiot, basically understandably so. It's a stupid thing to say. Anyway, he then on his own show, him and and, uh, and Andy Gray, he then doubled down on it. He then doubled down on this, and he did that after after Chelsea had had lost had lost to to Real Madrid. Um, and after Frank Lampard said the now immortally stupid words, I did, we didn't think Real Madrid were this good. Yeah. I didn't realize Real Madrid were this good. <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. Real Madrid were this good. Yeah. Well, wow. So he says, that his, is amazing. So he says it on his TV <laughs> show, he goes, I'll read out what he says, uh, keys. He, so he turns to, to, to his, uh, to his, his long time, TV partner, uh, Andy Gray. And he says, one of the candidates for the Chelsea job is Julian Nagelsmann. What has he got that the Chelsea legend that is Frank Lampard has not? A guy that knows the club inside out, a guy that the Chelsea fans think the world of. What has Nagelsmann done? Okay, he's won the Bundesliga, but he's he'd be hard pushed not to as he's the Bayern Munich coach, but he's won nothing else. So what makes him preferable to Frank Lampard? Is it because he's German? Is it because he's young? Is it because he rides a skateboard? And then Andy Gray replied to, to Keyes, basically agreeing with him, saying, what makes Nagelsmann better? I don't know. Modern day owners of English Premier League clubs have a fixation with a foreign name, a foreign coach, that they would be better and be better equipped, that they bring a brand of football that we can't produce with British coaches, which is a nonsense. But there can be no other reason that Nagelsmann should be rated higher than Frank. Yes, he's won the Bundesliga, but you're right. You'd be hard pushed to not to win the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich. I mean... You just hear this, and you just think, "Are they, I don't even are they know what really say. saying what has what what proof is there that Nagelsmann is a better coach than Frank Lampard?" Uh, I mean, Frank, I didn't realize Real Madrid, the reigning champions of Europe, would be this good. Can I let me read out? Um, can I just read out to you Lampard's record? His last seventeen matches as manager, Frank Lampard. Last seventeen matches, won one, drawn two, lost fourteen. <laughs> He's lost 14 of his last 17 matches as a manager. And here is Greys and Keys basically saying, literally saying, what what has Nagelsmann done and how is he better than Frank Lampard? <laughs> it's, it, but for me, Rio Ferdinand was worse. What did Ferdinand say? The Ollie Watkins, same level as Erling Haaland thing. <laughs> it's just, I mean... 
I don't even know how to react to that. How in what galaxy is Ollie Watkins the same level as Eileen Hall on? Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> There's some other ones this week as well that I've just I've just I don't know what I've done with them because there was just so many. I, I, I kind of lost track of how many prem faces. We no, had. but the the, the the BBC the BBC journalist who who told Ruben Dias that uh, before the game that you know she should be essentially you know t- saying him that well you know you're playing a bi- Bundesliga team, so you really should be winning that, shouldn't you? And Ruben Diaz basically laughed in his face and said, I think you know, we're past this level of discussion. Yeah. Which is essentially saying, you're an idiot, yeah. shut up. Yeah, we're, we're past um, this prem face level of, of, of yeah, we, like, yeah. Now what he said yeah. to the journalist was, he said that because Manchester City are playing a, a Bundesliga team, that, that Manchester City should win easily. That's, that's what he said. Yeah, which they and they and, did and win Ruben, easily. They did win easily. Yeah, yeah but, but that's not but the that's, point. That's not the point. It's Bayern Munich. Yeah. Okay, Bayern Munich are a bit of a mess this season because of everything that's happened and and a crisis. But to say that they are not, what, I mean, this is Bayern Munich. Look at what they've done in the last few years. Look at their squad. Look at the players. Look, I mean, stop. Just stop. It's embarrassing. <laughs> and 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 yeah, but no, it's it's it really is like it's just every single day something stupid. More insane than the other, but Rio Ferdinand for me with the with the what Ollie Watkins comment is just yeah. The thing is, I think is I, I'm more I can forgive Ferdinand more because Watkins is in amazing form. He scored 12 goals in 13 games. Maybe Stop. maybe he meant maybe he meant on form. You know, he's doing Ferdinand Haaland. Like I don't know. I didn't see the I didn't see the context. You know, I can forgive yeah. it more. What I can't forgive is I've watched. What Keys and Gray said, and I've you know I've seen them for yeah, years know, and I've years, for well. thirty years. I know who these people are, and yeah, they the way that it was delivered, he it was delivered with so much proud ignorance and proud yeah. arrogance. You know, it yeah. was said so dismissively as kind of yeah. you know it's Julian Nagelsmann, it's fr- this is Frank Lampard. You know what 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 has this foreigner got that 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 uh, that are you know that are Englishmen. Uh, hasn't got you know you know it, it was said with such proud you know it's like the the famous uh, the famous that we quote all the time the famous um, uh, stand up by um, Chris Rock you know you know proud you know I, proud, I don't know that shit yeah it's like that you know you know proud to it I don't know that shit you know I'm proud you're proudly stupid and ignorant yeah, yeah. and that's what that's uh, that's it's, what gets it's, me it's just yeah they 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 really are. A, they are a different breed, aren't like they? Graham Sooner, <laughs> like Graeme Sooners, like Graeme Sooners with Deserby as well. When Deserby got got hired <laughs> as Brighton coach, and and he basically he basically said, "What well, he basically said, Roberto Deserby, I've never heard of him. So why the hell are they he hiring him? You know, that's basically basically what he said. He's foreign, and I've never heard of him. So so how can he be a good hire? You know, why are they hiring this guy? That's basically what basically what he was saying. <laughs> you know, unbelievable, it's astonishing." Astonishing arrogance and stupidity. I'm sure we'll get more this week because it's a chance. Oh, I'm sure they're they're in form. It's like harvest season. It's prem face harvesting. It's like every five minutes there's something incredibly stupid. (laughs) The prem harvest, yeah. The prem face harvest. They're going to make a sacrifice to the gods now. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it is. It's like it literally is harvest. Give us your best prem face. We're going to sacrifice our our best prem face (laughs) to the gods. The the more you get to the business end of the season, it seems like the they just seem to pipe up more with these insane takes. <laughs> um, it's just mm. love it. 
Okay, let's leave it there, guys. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday uh, for the Q&A, and then Thursday we will have the review of the Champions League Champions League matches, and we'll look ahead to the. And we'll have a, we'll have a, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And we'll have a on Tuesday. We'll we'll do the Q and A for patrons only, and we'll probably do a most likely do a, a po- or uh, we'll do a post match reaction to the Napoli Milan. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll see how pie. that game. We'll see how that game yeah. goes. If it's if it's and, if it's an and, eventful game, yeah. we'll definitely do something. And then on Thursday, of course, we're back as usual uh, for patrons. And yeah, I mean, those of you who are, who, who, if you want to become a patron, patreon.com slash TIFP, 299 excluding VAT a month. And everyone else listening to this on Spotify, Google, iOS, please hit a su- subscribe, five-star rating. It really helps us a lot. Yeah, and subscribe on YouTube as well. We're on YouTube. We're yes. posting stuff on YouTube. We put the entire Monday pod now out on YouTube and we put extra clips and stuff out there as well. And we got, you know, we're going to do more stuff on, on YouTube whenever we've done interviews when possible they've been video we always put the entire thing there so please subscribe to our youtube channel it's the same thing everywhere at ita foot pod yeah please do okay great have a good week enjoy the football we'll see the patrons on tuesday we'll see the rest of you on thursday until then ciao ciao